Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everyone and welcome to episode 386 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, joined with Joe. I almost said I almost said the L word. I don't know why. There's <laughs> but, people uh, that's st- listen. There's there's two people that still uh call me that and they do it they cuz they think they get a it gets a rise out of me. Mhm. I don't know if you want to throw your name into the hat of one of those two people, but you just did, Todd, whether you know it or not. Oh, my t- am I st- it might be me is what you're saying. It's a tell. It is a tell. I have t- tons of tells. But dead men tell no tales. Right. So, so Todd, how are you doing? You're back to starting off the show after yes, getting I- uh, things re- uh, readjusted to the old way of stuff? Yes, that's right, for you know reasons and stuff. Oh, but- you know what? I, I forgot to mention uh, to you before. How did you do with the snow? I don't know if listeners to the show may know that Todd, uh, from the last snow that we had two weeks ago, was having some issues, and then we just had a little bit of snow this past weekend. I hired a guy. Oh, you did? Yeah, I just, I'm just i just getting help from now on out. I'm I'm old, Joe. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm old, old, too, but I'm glad that you finally decided to get help. And I got a, a, I got the, the snowblower. Oh, I got to go pick up a gas tank for that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a snowblower run and a big snowblower that helps out, too. So I'm like, no more shoveling. None. Well, none whatsoever. Well, I was all ready to use the snowblower for the first time this uh, this season. Because mm-hmm. the last two times, like, the snow was still going and I had work, so my wife's like, I'm going to go do it. But the problem is, she never went and got gas for the snowblower. You know, she's not, she didn't get all gassed up, is what you're saying? Well, she is gassed up, because she's a gassed up freak like my son. <laughs> but she didn't get gas for the snowblower, that kind of gas, not the uh, needlepoint gas that those two are on. So that's why I ended up having to shovel, like, five people's walks. Ah. It wasn't as much, and by the time that I was out there, it was already, like, warm out, so it was essentially just me pushing snow around. It was less shoveling and more pushing. And it went up to 46 degrees later in the day, so most of it was gone. Right, right. But I just I just don't want any more snow. I, let's not talk about snow. Let's not even think about snow. Oh, and I do want to say this, because it was requested because I mentioned it um, after I, I shoveled the walks. Uh, don't drink Yoohoo, it's garbage. Okay. Nesquik is good, but double check because they have, they have a, they have a Nesquik out there in the bottle mm-hmm. that has like extra protein in it, which is good for you. But I don't like the way that Nesquik does their bottles. If you can always get your, uh, go with the local farmer's chocolate milk. That's always the best. You have broken down chocolate milk in a way I've never heard before. The, That's the, fantastic. The, the, if you read calories like I do, you read the labels, <laughs> the farmer's chocolate milk is always a little bit more calories, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good to support local and you get like the same amount. You're, you're, you're paying for the rabbit essentially when you buy Nesquik. Mm-hmm. Like you get the same size bottle from Nesquik and it's like $2. You can get, and that same size bottle, you get the local farms version. It's like a buck thirty. Right. Right. So shop smart. Shop S smart. Shop S smart. Enjoy chocolate milk, everyone. You who is garbage. It's brown water. <laughs> Don't even waste your time. Okay. 
Enough with the snow and enough with the chocolate milk, Todd. What do we got in comics this week? In our new segment, we have further, you know, developments on Omnibuy. Um, a giant event is delayed, and I can't what? wait to hear. I can't wait to hear how you're going to defend it. This is the first um, I'm hearing of anything as such, Todd. Oh, also, um, tired of leg- legacy numbering? Maybe you need a fresh start. Um, and I'll save my joke to- for that a little bit later on in the show. Right. And what's going to spin out of that fresh start? Um, we also have uh, digital books and sales, con news, what we read last week, which was Young Monsters in Love, Invincible number 144, the last of the run, I believe, mm-hmm. and also a big mystery book that we're going to talk about because I may be dropping it. I need Joe's help. Right. If you follow Todd on Twitter, a lot of times he'll cryptically tweet things or sometimes more overtly. A lot of times that'll be fodder for episodes of After Dark, but this one was directly comic book related, so it's uh, going to be part of what we read this past week. That's right. Um, what we're looking forward to this week... Um, Let's see, what do we have? Mailbag. And we also have a uh, spoiler-filled talk of both Legends of Tomorrow and Black Panther. I'm not sure which order, but that's what we have, right? Right. We'll figure it out when we get there. Right. So, uh, as Todd mentioned up front there, uh, DC just seemingly can't get <laughs> omnibuses correct. Todd, I don't know what's going on over there, man. <laughs> but this is, what, the fourth or fifth different omnibus that we've done a story about? Where they've There's... messed up, like, print order, page order, panel order, word balloons Balloon. are just missing stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh. So the most recent uh, omnibus of Batman Nightfall uh, has panels out of order. Mm-hmm. Now, we talk about it all the time, every time that it comes up, because, again, of course, we do know a lot of people like those omnibuses. I know there's one person who's slightly less of a fancy gentleman these days. I don't need that one-in-one variant of 9.8 graded for $10,000. I guess I'm just not that fancy. Excuse me. Yes, Uh, sirree. But uh, there was the JLI one. uh, There was a fourth world one. And what was the other one that there was a problem with recently? I forget, but there was a fourth one. A third, I don't even know anymore. Like, there's so many. Mm -hmm. Right, and we were wondering what's going to happen with this. Are people going to keep the misprinted ones? Because DC is putting new ones out, but there's no way to tell if it's the corrected version or not unless you open up the shrink wrap that they're in. That's the Justice League International one, which ticks me off. Right. Um, Because I guess they're saying, oh, well, it has all the pages even though they're out of order. Um, but, you know, and the word balloon's missing, so whatever. I don't know. They should send you a sticker ugh, and throw in there. I don't, I don't know. But now, like, uh, I guess with the panels out of order in the Dark Knight one, or in the, the, the Batman one, we'll see. But the big one is that's actually returnable is the fourth world one because there's just a page missing. So I guess that is, you know, you get a replacement because, oh, we didn't put everything in there. Right, and what they're making you do is uh, they were originally making people return the entire omnibus for your replacement. Right, but they weigh about 800 pounds. <laughs> um, but now what they have to do is you have to destroy the copy and return just the front cover of the book. 
which you need like a machete to get off, I think. <laughs> now, again, we bring this up because I could see if it was the same issue or the same problem everyone, like every omnibus is missing a page, or every omnibus has the panels out of order, or every omnibus has word balloons missing, or every omnibus has whatever, but everyone it's something different. Mm-hmm. You want to hear my theory? Go ahead, Todd. There is a serious Marvel fan working at the printer. Oh, man. Just trying to bring DC down from the inside. Like, cause, I mean, literally, it makes me not want to buy an omnibus ever again, Joe. Ever again. And like, I just look, cause the, the solicits were late, like, you know, coming out this week cause of President's Day. Um, and I looked in them and it's like, and there's five omnibus in, in this, in this, you know, the previews that are going to be out uh, next week. And I'm like, I wouldn't buy any of those omnibus. If I, you could do it almost anything. And I'd be like, why would I spend money? The last three or four that you did are all messed up. And like I said, I have the Justice League one, and, the, and there's still no news on 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 how I can get a replacement for that. Well, I just ju- have to the spin Justice the League wheel was again. like the third one in the run. The uh, the fourth world one was the first one, so they're just getting to that one now. But they said the second one is fixed. They have second prints, but the only way to know if that if it's a second print is to rip open the cellophane and look. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's what's going on. Has me a bit ticked. I paid a hundred bucks for that. So, and even further still, as you say that as a consumer, as a retailer, are you going to even want to carry these DC omnibus anymore? Because invariably, you're going to have to deal with the customer coming back in saying, "Oh, this has this wrong with it," mm-hmm. and or and maybe have to eat it. You know what I mean? Right. Like. If I'm a retailer, I'm going to run the risk and say, you know what, I'll wait for the second corrected printing of this to come out to order it. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Omnibuses. Whoever thought they'd be so much trouble. Luckily, there's no other concerns, issues, or delays going on at DC. Uh, That's right. Never happens. But... As I'm looking at this, that was supposed to be your cue to jump in and bury me. But No, I would never do that. <laughs> I got my check cleared too, Joe. Oh, okay. So DC's big uh, current uh, deal that they have going on, their big current crossover, Dark Knight's Metal, has been delayed until the end of, uh, the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where the last two issues before it have also been delayed. So it's just been like delays upon delays upon delays. No reasons given as to why it's been delayed. I think this one might have even been advanced solicited. Um, already knowing that issues four and five are being delayed, but even further still, this was delayed. I don't know what's going on, Todd. We're already, you know, it's the final issue. It's not like they could delay it until the last issue of Image United comes out. And I'm oh. still going to get it. I don't think it's going to shake up the DC universe in any significant way, which is a shame. That, well, you never know. It's Snyder might change the ending, and it will shake up the... the have a whole new one. A better ending. You're not allowed to do that anymore. What? You're not allowed to just change endings of books and add extra issues and things like that. Now, I will say this. With, you know, it's now five weeks away, six weeks away from the final issue. There is still plenty of time for them to solicit, like, an epilogue issue or something. Or, you know, add extra pages or a million other things that they could do with it, you know? 
There's out of time. Order. <laughs> Please add extra metal pages out of order. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. So I'm I'm not all in on this uh, crossover. I've been you know begrudgingly reading it. This does not make me want to finish it. So. Right. This is gonna be we're, this is where we get the payoff for Daniel. How he ties into that first issue. Mm-hmm, which is all I really want to know. Right. So moving over to Marvel, uh, Marvel just announced uh, that this upcoming May, it's going to be a new day. Yes, it is. A fresh coat of paint for all their characters. It's almost like they're birthing again. <laughs> so uh, they announced that uh, there's going to be new series, new creative teams, new directions. Uh, they're going to offer jumping on points for lapsed <laughs> fans. <laughs> um, sounds very familiar, but Todd, I have a question for you. So yes, this is again, a fresh start, a jumping on point for Marvel. Um, how many of these has Marvel done in the last, say five and a half years, six years? I'd say five or six. Okay. They've done four. This will be the fourth one in five years. October 2012 was Marvel Now. Mm-hmm. And now this was the one that lasted the longest. Because then <laughs> July uh, 2015 was when they did all new, all different Marvel. <laughs> then <laughs> September of this past year, just September of this past year, Todd, they did Marvel Legacy. And mm-hmm. now May is Marvel Fresh Start. Now, we kind of sort of knew that this was coming. Uh, we kind of knew that Legacy was just kind of like a soft, rebirthy, jumping on, renumbering sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't give this one that much grief in that regard because I think it was a, a poorly kept secret that this was going to happen. We'll get into some other poorly kept secrets on the Marvel side of things with this fresh start, but... Four times in five years that you do this. Mm-hmm. At least when, you know, and everyone kind of gives DC grief, but they would at least, like, kind of reshuffle the deck, like, once every six years. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, my thing is, we all kind of knew it because... I mean, I think we called it all the way back when it was like, oh, all these all these legacy numbers are within spitting distance of a giant, you know, anniversary issue. Right. And then we'll hit those anniversary issues. We'll pay $9.99 or $7.99 or $5.99 for whatever issue it is. And then they'll all go back to number ones. Mm-hmm. And that's literally what they did. And whether these are jumping on points like uh, and you say you won't give them a hard time. I'll actually really give them a hard time because this whole thing, these legacy numbers were like to kind of a, for the old fans, like, look, the numbering's going back. We're trying to bring you back in. We're trying to move these characters back to what they were, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh, you know what? Now all new number ones. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is I, it's just, this one to me just, just reeks really badly because it's not even a year it's, it's even less and we're still i don't know we still have some of these you know uh, uh uh anniversary issues to hit yet and then we're we're going back so i don't even know i just i just want to read my comics and have them be good stories that's all and, and this is something that you know marvel toyed with that i think even this toward the middle end of the bendis era 
that he had even pitched that Marvel should do more so of what TV does, where they do seasons, where pick your time, whether it be May when the movies come out, September when TV starts, whatever it is, and just kind of say, like, the new season of X starts, whatever that book is, right? Mm-hmm. And we've even talked about on the show that if Marvel is going to play so fast and loose with these numbers, and yes, they're doing this consistently, and DC does it too. DC is not uh, innocent of this, but at least they're kind of sort of sticking with that numbering stuff with Batman and Superman. That's it. Mm-hmm. They're not playing fast and loose with any of the other numbers. Well, they are. Okay, what other books are they doing it on? Well, they would just, they just did it with all the, the Flash 700. They're like, we'll get our 700 in and then we'll go back to... Right, now I'll say this though. Technically it was issue whatever, whatever. It just mm-hmm. had the separate variant where it said 700 on it. Right, but, but that, the actual numbering as... was whatever. Right, but they were touting it as the 700th issue of Flash or whatever. Right, but at least they didn't do a double, you know, triple uh, cover price on it. I will give them that. Right, and, and the other thing is, like, Detective Comics and Action Comics are the two longest-running books. Let those two have their legacy numbering and everything else kind of, you know, whatever. Right. But with Marvel, it's... Every time they do this, they say it's a new jumping-on point for lapsed fans. hmm And I think every time that they do it, they're pushing more in... If you're a lapsed fan, you're gone. You're not coming back. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a new number, an old number, going back to a new number, or whatever it is, you're gone, you're gone. They need to do something to build toward the future, not go toward the past and bring back old people. I don't understand, like, we talked about, you know, doing your seasons. I don't understand why they just don't number comics by the date, by the month and the year, and just be Right, that's another thing that we talked about. That's the easiest one. You know, or even... You know, just off the top of my head, what am I, um, you know, uh, Captain America, like the current Captain America storyline, mm-hmm. whatever it is, like put on the cover, you know, it's Captain America, the title of the story is, you know, man, man out of time, two of whatever. And you don't need that it's issue number 697, it's part two of this current storyline. Right. And that's what you need to know. I guess. I don't even know. I don't know how to, to fix it anymore. Right. Well, one way to fix it mm-hmm. is by putting good creative teams on stuff. And, like, you know, we're saying fresh creative teams and all this other stuff. Uh, but starting uh, with um, – they're getting a new number one, of course. But in May, Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis are taking over the Avengers book. Uh, again, a poorly kept secret. Jason Aaron has been kind of sticking his toe in Avengers stuff for a little while now since Legacy, and I think a little bit even before that. You okay, big guy? Uh, But the cover of the issue has a very interesting team, of course. You know, you got your Thor, you got your Iron Man, you got your Cap, but then you also got Carol Danvers, you got Black Panther, you got Ghost Rider, you got She-Hulk, you got Doctor Strange. You know, you got a lot of uh, people that Jason Aaron has a history with. And, again, it's Jason Aaron writing a book 
I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Doesn't matter what the title of the book is. Doesn't matter what the number of the issue is. Doesn't matter if it's a fresh coat of paint, a new day, or whatever it is. Um, right. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot more announcements like this. Now, this book uh, is going to be... I, it's not going to be bi-monthly, but it's going to be... Um, 18 times a year, which Marvel used to do a bunch as well. Right. Where they're going to like, remember, well, remember even back in the, you know, the 80s and early 90s even, where there would be certain months where they would just double up a book. Right. And so it looks like that's what they're doing here, and I'm sure they'll probably end up doing this with some other books as well. Right, rotating, create. It's almost kind of the way like DC's doing double, uh, you know, like Batman twice a month or whatever, but they're trying to keep it where they think they could stay on schedule. Because DC seems that's one thing I will say about DC, where you want, you know, where they're doing their 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 books that ship twice a month, they're hitting it every month. Where I think Marvel is a little more lenient on on their like uh, hitting deadlines, so. Mm-hmm. I think they want to make sure they have all their ducks in a row when they go for this. Well, I, you know, a couple on both sides of the coin there, of course, DC event books are late. DC regular shipping books are, I would say, 99% on time. The I don't get every DC book, and I don't think that you do as well, but we get a good sampling. Since Rebirth of the double shipping books, the only book I can recall that was even late, was an issue of Hal, Hal Jordan of the Green Lantern Corps. Okay. Uh, it was one of the issues where our buddy Tom Derenick had to do the breakdowns on. Right. And then was that like a fifth week? And it ended and because that was the books re- that comes out the second and fourth week of the month. Mm-hmm. And it came out on a fifth week. Right. So it was late by a week. Right. <laughs> So they're doing pretty good with the track record on it. You know, they've stuck to those schedules. Um, You know, the event books is another story. Um, Doomsday Clock, we'll see. You know, we haven't hit any real delays, but we're only like three issues in on that. Um, I don't know, but we knew about Jason Aaron uh, taking over Avengers for quite some time. Um, There's speculation of who's going to take over Spider-Man. And it'll be interesting to see what Marvel actually does with this. Is this going to be the one that sticks? Is this going to be... Nope. Okay. Just come on. Like, really? Like, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me 93 times, shame on me. Four times. Let's not go crazy. Four times. I think they've had a few number restarts before that, too, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Uh, that's what the news, of course, there is a bucket load of conventions this weekend, Todd. This is the busiest weekend I've seen in quite some time. Right. Uh, kicking off with, as this episode is coming out, uh, out in Portland is Image Expo. Um, you know, it's Image's sort of thing. You know, they got a couple name folks there. Of course, Kirkman's going to be there. McFarland's going to be there. Uh, a couple people who haven't done projects for them in quite some time, or people that have never done projects for Image are going to be announcing their first things there. And this is one of the things that I was going to do, and then I realized that they've been doing Image Expos for six years, and that's a lot of work to do. Um, it always seems as though there are stories and projects and stuff that get announced at Image Expo, mm-hmm. but don't come out. No. And I was just looking, you know, at a list of a couple, uh, 
you know, notable ones. And more times than not, it's just like, oh, uh, just as an example, uh, Warren Ellis and Tula Lote, who did uh, art on the Gail Simone Red Sonja book, were supposed to be doing a book uh, called Heartless that was announced at Image Expo 2015. Uh, To date, that book is still not out. Mm-hmm. The last word on it was in May of 2016, uh, where Warren Ellis said, we've broken ground in the book, but we're doing it at our own pace, and you'll know when we're ready. Mm. I wonder if he'll get that out before or after uh, those issues of Desolation Jones. Mm-hmm. So, um, 2015 as well, James Robinson and Philip Tan were supposed to be doing a book called Heaven. Uh, Philip Tan tweeted out some, uh, art of it in August of 2015 and said coming, uh, December 2015. And there's nothing been from that yet. Um, so again, there's a bunch of them, but way less than I initially thought there was. Right. Um, a lot of them are just like, Hey, we made this announcement. A lot of them were like 2014, 2015. Uh, were the ones, like, I know, like, um, uh, Bill Willingham and Barry Kitson were supposed to do a book that they announced back in 2014. We were just like, yeah, we're going to do a book. And that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want Velvet to finish. Uh, Velvet, I don't know what's going to happen with Velvet. I think that's going to get made into a movie or whatever. Um, but they did, like, 24 issues of it. There was, like, a somewhat significant conclusion there, right? No. No? <laughs> the last issue we came out in the a middle while of a sto- ago. I think we were still in the middle of a story. Uh, so, of course, you know, we've got Image Expo. Uh, we've got Fanfare in New York, New York, right in downtown uh, New York this weekend. We've got West Texas Fandom Hub in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, then we've got a bunch of assorted ones with creators here and there. We've got Savannah Comic Con in Savannah, Georgia that Robert, uh, or, uh, Jonathan Hickman's gonna be at. Uh, Captain's Comic Expo in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Babs Tar, who did the, uh, art on that most, that run of, uh, Batgirl, hipster Batgirl, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huntsville Comic Con and Pop Culture Expo in Huntsville, Alabama. Mark Bagley, Fabian Nicenza, Mike Zeck are going to be there. Uh, Comic Con Revolution, West Palm Beach, California. Chris Piccolo, Dave Johnson, people like that. If uh, anybody's at that one and they can get me a uh, Bacallo death sketch, I'll send you two stickers. There you go. Uh, the NWI Comic Con in Shearville, Indiana, Tim Seeley's gonna be at. But I would say the two biggies this weekend, Todd, is the Great Lakes Comic Con in Warren, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, where William Messner Lobes is gonna be there. Uh, Jim Steranko is gonna be there. Do yourself a favor, visit Jimmy Boy. Right, right. Uh, William Cat is gonna be there. He's a great American hero. Mm-hmm. And the if million, not, oh, what? If not the greatest. And the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, is going to be there as well. I wonder how he feels about the Attitude Era. But anyway. But the big one is Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida, 
A lot more media guests, of course. You know, they call it a comic book convention, but uh, Adrian Barbeau is going to be there. Ooh. Uh, Arthur Darville is going to be there. Hey, that's Rip Hunter. Right, who on their site, they don't list under DC TV show guests. They somehow mistakenly put him under Doctor Who type people. That's Rory. Mm. Rory Calhoun, the man who's always standing and walking. <laughs> yep, walking around, yep. But I, I will give them this. They, they do have their uh, guest list broken out. They're like, here's Adult Swim people, here's Boondock Saints people, here's DC uh, TV people, here's Dragon Ball Z people, here's Doctor Who people. Now, Todd, I'm going to... You know me and Doctor Who. Yes, you, the love that just won't end. Right, so John Barrowman's going to be there, right, right, okay? Um, Ian Beattie is going to be there. I don't know who that is. Okay, they don't even... He's under Doctor Who guests, but they right. claim that he's from Game of Thrones. Ian Beattie? Yes. Okay. Hugh Spit, S-P-I-G-H-T. Hugh Spit. Right. Uh, he was a Gamorrean guard in Return of the Jedi, but in his publicity p photo, he's holding a Dalek. Okay. Now, these are all people who are in Doctor Who, right? Right. Uh, but it's like, it's, it's them talking about other stuff that they're in. Garrick Hagen. Garrick Hagen. Do you know who that is, Todd? No, I don't. Okay. They claim he's he was the rebel leader Kai in Doctor Who, the episode The Mutants. Oh, my God. Okay. Was he like 900 years old? But he also plays Biggs Darklighter in Star Wars, A New Hope. Wow. Mm hmm. Uh, Fraser Hines. Oh, that's, uh, that you've, you've seen him actually. He was the Scottish guy in the second Doctor story that you were drunk during. Oh, that's right. I, yeah, I remember him vividly. Uh, and then it's like, Oh, a guy who, a guy who's a big fan. <laughs> uh, he... an illustrator. Oh, uh, Camille Corduri? I don't, I don't know, like, if you had sent me the webpage of this or the Facebook page. No, but I like, I like, I like quizzing you, Mr. Doctor Who. Yeah, like, she's, sure. She's Rose's mom, Todd. Oh, she was also in King Ralph. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. King Ralph. But more importantly, Todd, they're having a Fright Night reunion at this at this convention. I don't think Roddy McDowell's going to be there. No, Roddy McDowell's not going to be there, sadly. But William Ragsdale's going to be there, Chris Sarandon, Amanda Bierce. I would go nuts for a Fright Night reunion. Oh, Amanda Bierce. Yes. I would have so many Married with Children questions. And what's any good convention worth their salt? If that we didn't get into entertainers from the world of sports and entertainment there. <laughs> Lita is going to be there. Oh, Mrs. Dumas. Right. And so far, uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are going to be there as well. Oh, hey, yo, we are the <laughs> bad guys. I only say so far, because if I was to bet money that one or both would cancel, <laughs> one or both so might cancel. So you're saying people might not get their copy of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co uh, signed by Super Shredder? Possibly not. 
Okay. Or their copy of Grandma's Boy. Sure. Right. He was one of the movers in the hit film Grandma's Boy. Don't you remember Grandma's Boy, Todd? Yes, that was the one with where he's the video game guy. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. Drive, monkey, drive! <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, the links to all of that, uh, all those conventions, I, there's a bunch more. I couldn't even name them all. Like I said, there's... No less than 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 that I was able to get links for that worked. Um, you know, there's other conventions going on, but uh, the links to these will be in the show notes, uh, as will link to the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, where anytime any of us like minded individuals that are part of this little network, this conglomeration, of podcasts getting together, trying to boost each other's signals out there, as it were. Uh, you could find it over at uh, soon-to-be-named-network.com, whether it be episodes of this show, uh, Long Bucks Here's After Dark, Podvocacy, Everlasting Minute, uh, Jason and David's new uh, podcast, which is the minute-by-minute breakdown of the film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Profane Argument, Puzzle Warriors 3, Fresher and Parlance, and all the other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, or anytime any of the folks on those shows appear on other shows, as long as they remind me, I send it out, and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's a bunch of sales going on, Todd. Uh, really? They really want your comic book digital dollar, uh, if you will. Dark Horse is having a sale on what they classify as their heroines. Uh, this is one that's been going on for a little while. The aforementioned from last week, Lady Killer, is still on that, so I highly recommend checking that out. Image is having a sale on what they call graphic novels, which is essentially their entire catalog, uh, just broken up not by single issues, by individual trades. And this is everything from Spawn to Walking Dead to Saga and all points in between. It's Yikes. It's everything. It looks to be, I'm no math wizard, 275, 275, and it's something like 800 graphic novels on sale. Wow. Yeah. Like, you can get the entire run of Saga for $36. That's a good deal. That's a great deal. Uh, DC is having a sale on what they call the Injustice 2 Gamers Sale, uh, which I guess there's a video game called Injustice, which has comic books that tie into it. Um, the only things that I could see in here that are of any note, that are not directly video game related, is the Arkham Asylum Living Hell miniseries. Which is not related to the video game, but I think there's an Arkham Asylum game. Uh, yes, there's a, there's, yes. Okay. There's the Arkham games. Right. So this Arkham Asylum Living Hell miniseries, not only does it have awesome art by Ryan Sook, it is the only stuff that Dan Slott ever did at DC. Yep, I remember that. Right. Uh, Marvel has a ton of sales going on. They have one that's called a Defender's Sale. And, you know, it's your Netflix Defenders sort of folks. There's tons of Daredevil stuff. There's tons of Luke Cage stuff. There's tons of Jessica Jones stuff. Punisher, Marvel Knights. 
uh, old stuff, new stuff, all sorts of stuff. It's a pretty nicely put together collection. Cloak and Dagger stuff is in there. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. All sorts of stuff. And they have two different Black Panther sales going on. I wonder why. They have all the solo stuff, as we had discussed last week, where, like, that trade had uh, the the Deadpool crossover and the Hulk crossover and whatever, whatever. Then they have a separate tr- collection of all the times that Black Panther appears in a team book that's not a Black Panther book. Mm-hmm. Like, Ultimates 2... Uh, the old Kirby Avengers run, Avengers Forever, which is a very underrated uh, series, uh, the new Avengers book, which was, I think, three Marvel reboots ago, and uh, then that all kind of ties in as well, uh, just kind of picking and choosing some assorted single issues, trades, and so forth. Um, so yeah, if you have Black Panther fever... Go to a doctor, and then once you get a clean bill of health, go get some digital comics. Right. Last but not least in the digital sale, of course, Valiant is having a sale on Quantum and Woody stuff. Uh, It's everything Quantum and Woody um, up to the first issue of the new series. So you can get, like, the entire run of Quantum and Woody for, like, a dollar an issue. And that Delinquents uh, miniseries where they crossed over with Archer and Armstrong is included in there as well. The Goat one-shot is included in there. Um, Everything. Check it out. Quantum and Woody is a really good comic book. I highly recommend it. Yes, it is. All right, so my voice has been slipping all episode. Todd? Yes? I'm going to let you kick things off here with uh, what we read from this past week. Yes, I'm going to start with uh, Young Monsters in Love, which was a week late for me due to reasons. But uh, basically it is, I consider it a horror slash Valentine's Day special, so that makes it a holiday special, Joe. goes into my collection. Um, it was a... Small price to pay for the book at $9.99, but it has many uh, stories in it uh, with people like uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, uh, Steve Orlando, Kyle Higgins, uh, Phil Hester, James Robinson, uh, artists like John McRae. I'm trying to look over some of these. There's just a a ton of people who've done stuff. Um, It was a mixed bag, good and bad. There was some stuff that I... Thoroughly enjoyed. Um, there was a Raven story by the aforementioned Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig, which was uh, I thought was really good. I'm, I'm going to keep an, uh, an eye out for those uh, people. But my favorite story in it, and you did, you never thought you'd hear this for a Valentine slash horror story, was a Mijer Mala and the Brain love story. Um, basically, they bust into a in, in the Lex core and they're trying to steal something and you find out that it's uh Monsieur Mala just wants the brain to see him again for for uh since he's been in in that body that he doesn't have a body he's in a in just this tube he's just a brain he hasn't seen Monsieur in like years so that Lexcore has this device that would be able to 
interpret visual signals to his brain to be able to see him. And it's just a cool story of uh, a negotiator who's Maggie Sawyer from Metropolis trying to talk him down and just how Monsieur sees things differently as a gorilla compared to to humans. And I thought it was very touching and, and as villains was, was a good deeper story. Um, but all around, I enjoyed uh, a lot of the other stories. There was a swamp thing story, a dead man story by Paul Dini, which was, I thought was good. Um, in the end, it was just worth the nine ninety nine that I paid for it. So I was, I was happy with it. I wouldn't recommend this to people to get the, the few small stories, but as a holiday guy, I'm, I'm all over it. Right. When I saw the price on this, I, I, I sweat for you. Right. Well, all the Christmas specials and stuff like that, like the holiday specials, they're always crazy because they're just usually like four or eight page short stories, but they have a ton of them in there. No misprints in this? Um, that'll be when they do the holiday omnibus. Now, I do say I love that cover, though, of uh, Swamp Thing making out with the Bride of Fran- Frankenstein. That's right. And Frankenstein, like, what? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Kelly Jones crushed it. So, so. my book uh, was another large book, a high-ticket-priced item. But, uh, again, it was a much larger issue. I think it was, oh, boy, how many pages was it? It was at least a double-sized issue. And that was Invincible number 144 by Robert Kirkman, uh, with art by Ryan Otley and Corey Walker, uh, pretty much the only two people who have ever done art on the book. Uh, this is a book that I've been on since the beginning, and I say the beginning kind of like the same way that I was on since the beginning of Walking Dead, uh, in that it was one of those deals where Image put out the cheap trade, of the first six issues, right alongside the next issue of whatever it was. It was recommended to me. I picked them both up, and I loved it. And Invincible is a book that has kind of grown um, with its audience and, you know, with pretty much storytelling in the world of comics. Um, It kind of essentially started off, the pitch for it essentially would be is, what if it was Ultimate Spider-Man but Superman? And the book has kind of grown and evolved and changed, um, you know, done a lot of experimental things. And I say experimental things, um, kind of just taking a lot of superhero tropes and playing with them a little bit. You know, uh, Image has a superhero universe, you know, your uh, tech jacket types, your savage dragon types, and that's what this universe all is. Mm-hmm. Did, was it good? Okay, so what it has all been building up to is the war with the Viltrumites, I guess that's how you pronounce it, which is the race of aliens that are essentially like the Kryptonians of this world, right? Mm-hmm. And our lead character, Mark Invincible, is the one who has been our main character in the storyline, right? And through everything that has gone on, uh, this issue, or the previous issue, ended with him being the ruler of the Vil Ultramat Empire, which is a place that he did not want to be in, that he's kind of fought against. Um, whether it be his father who is the king, other people who are much more strict rulers, um, other people who have come through trying to take over the world and rule, 
he is always, Mark has always tried to avoid being in that position to being the one to dictate to the world of what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It has now finally gotten to the point where he has no choice. That he has to take the role that he has avoided for the entirety of this series. And he does so in the ways that the character has established over the last 144 issues, over the last, you know, 16 years that this book has been being published, where he goes to the warlike places and he negotiates with them and he beats them at their own game and they become subservient to him and he refuses and he does what, and again, there's not a spoiler or anything else like that, but he does the thing that everyone else has tried to do throughout the course of this book. So many other people have tried to do and all failed. Mm-hmm. And it was not until Mark was put into the position to have no choice but to do it that at the end of the book, he unites the universe. Both of his children are essentially taking his mantle of Invincible. They're doing well. There's that little bit in there if Kirkman ever wants to revisit these characters. He's got two, a boy and a girl, essentially Invincible. But he gives these characters after so much horrible things he has done to them. You know, as readers of Walking Dead, you know, you see the terrible things that he does to the characters in that book. He has done similar terrible things to the characters in these books, but obviously in a much more escalated way because it's superheroes and you have higher stakes and things could be at a higher scale and people have superpowers. So, you know, there's more exploding and limbs and all this (laughs) other nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. He gives the main character a happy ending. Hmm. And it ties it all together back to the first issue. All the way back. And this is one of those things that I'm happy that I have the complete run of it. And in a day in the past when I had more time in my life, <laughs> this is one of those things that I would have loved, I would love now that it's done to sit down and read the entire thing. Uh, there were some shaky parts in the middle. But that was when the tone was kind of shifting a little bit. Did it have anything to do, you think, with him becoming popular and, like, you know, Walking Dead blowing up and having to divert some time to that? Oh, absolutely. This is definitely one of those books where this was not his priority because this isn't the book that was making him money. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is definitely, I think, still a pet project of his. And I know there was a lot of people that would joke online and say... Um, Robert Kirkman finally ending this book uh, after he can no longer get an option to made into a TV show or movie. Mm-hmm. And that might be true, that might not be true, but it definitely felt like when he said a year ago that we're going to wrap everything up, he wrapped everything up. Hey, you know, whether or not he did 144 issues of it, so... Right! You know? So I take my cap off to him um, and that's the other thing is, as much as this is, obviously it's a high price point, it's six bucks, it's a double issue, whatever. Excuse me. Um, you could pick this issue up and know, you know, the, you're not gonna know the, the real nuances and the nut, the, uh, the nooks and crannies of every story and every relationship, mm-hmm. but everything is touched on. The origin is in here. 
the relationship with every character, every main character, their relationships, everything gets a moment in this. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And it, again, it makes me want to reread the entire thing from start to finish. So it seems like he sounds like he did something that's hard to do in comics sometimes is like do a satisfying finale. You know what? And that's the thing I really did as a, as a, as a longtime reader, I felt this was satisfactory. Good. So the last book that we're going to talk about is an interesting book. And, and in that, I mean, Todd tweeted the other day, uh, that he was going to take a book off of his pull list mm-hmm. for what he claims is probably the dumbest reason ever. So I'm po- I, he, I, I told him not to tell me what it was. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to see if I can guess what it was. And I'm guessing that it's something that came out or that he purchased last week. Right. And I'm looking at your list of books and I'm going to guess that it's Old Man Hawkeye. It is not Old Man okay. Hawkeye. Uh, so what is the book that's uh, coming off your pull list? You had two of the words right. Oh, Old Man Logan. Yes. Okay. So what is your reason for dropping Old Man Logan? All right. An issue or two ago. I'm not sure which it was. Do you know what I mean? Because okay. it's part of the story. He was fighting, and whether he was fighting the Silver Samurai or the Scarlet Samurai, it doesn't matter. They have, a, they have a weird sword that's able to cut through adamantium. And it cuts off one of his hands. So he's like, I'm not healing as fast. I have to run away, run away, run away. And now his hand grows back and he has bone claws on one hand and adamantium claws on the other. And in a weird, like OCD thing, I cannot, I cannot have, have that. I just, he cannot have bone claws on one hand and adamantium claws on the other. That has to be fixed. Because it is really bothering me. <laughs> what? Now, for me, I'm kind of on the fence about this as well, only because this is getting to be one of those books that continually falls to the bottom of my of my read pile. Right. So I haven't even gotten to the point where he gets his hand cut off, let alone grows it back with one being bone claws and one being adamantium claws. Right. Now, do I think somebody's going to pick that hand up and find it and he's going to get it again later on and put it on? I don't know. Maybe. But just the fact that, like, they even show a shot of him in this book where he's like, he's like, oh, like, and, and even the one character goes, what happened? Your your right claws, they're bone. Gross. And I'm like, yep. And they show an adamant that he has the adamantium in his left hand, the claws and the bone claws in the right. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the dumbest reason in the history to, 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 to take a book off your list, but, and I'm enjoying the book, but it, it bugs me, man. I feel like that's the most Joe thing I've ever done. Hmm. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if I'm insulted or not. <laughs> it should be honored. Right. I don't know. Yeah, but that is a weird reason to drop the book. Again, my reason for dropping a, or thinking about dropping a book is because I just don't get a chance to read it. Right. It's not the some of the weirdest reasons I've heard for not wanting to keep going on a book. One was there was dark elves in 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 Jason Aaron's Thor, so they were giving it up. Just and put me back on it when the dark elves are gone. Okay. 
What and was the other this one person's was, aversion to the Dark Elves? Don't know. Don't ask a lot of questions when I'm at the shop. Um, right. You know why I don't ask those questions? Why, Todd? Because they I get answers. Get ans- yeah. That's right. I may get answers. Right. And the other one was uh, just, uh, oh, the Riddler's popping up. I, I have to just take me off the book. And then when he comes back, when, it, when he's gone, I'll read it again. An aversion of green spandex. Maybe. I don't know. I've heard a lot of weird reasons to drop a book, but oh, so I think oh, I, I think I win though. Right. I definitely think you win so far. This year you win. Okay. Uh so that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around five thirty Eastern time, uh the only time that matters. <laughs> Uh, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. However it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out. Uh, the two things that Todd and I have been doing this calendar year, or the two things that we're doing this calendar year is the one thing we always do, which is tempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week, but also keeping that running dollar tally of how much we've spent on books. Uh, I've got a slight lead over Todd by just under $2.00. But I'm sure once of, once one of those uh, misprinted Omnibuy come out, uh, you're going to take a commanding lead in this. I am a lead commander. Now, I want to say this, Todd. Uh, within seconds uh, of me putting out the poll post today, I had people direct messaging me, guessing what our books that we were most looking forward to coming out this week would be. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's how hot this segment is becoming. It is a hot segment. After six years. That's right. 386 episodes. We find we're starting to make our mark. Right. So you started the show, so you get to uh, take your first guess. Is the book you are looking forward to most Q and W number three? It is not. It is a Defenders ten. It is not. Is it another book? It is another book, Todd. Okay. The book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is Doctor Strange: Damnation number one. Who's writing that? Uh, Donnie Cates and Nick Spencer. Oh my goodness. It's Doctor Strange goes to Las Vegas, teaming up with the new Midnight Suns, your, uh, Ghost Rider types. I hope nobody gets the Las Vegas flu. (laughs) I think it has a different name out there. I know, it's called the Las Vegas flu. Okay. So looking at your list, Todd, and I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week... Is Thor 704? It is not. No movement on the board this week. It is Moonshine number seven. Uh Aha. Moonshine popping up on the list there. I was really enjoying that back when it came out. The the werewolf in the Prohibition era. And I've missed it. And I'm an Azzarello fan. So I want to uh, read that again. Give me a second. Sure. Send that off to the people who were asking. I will. Well, they're going to hear this. You never know. Some people don't listen. They hear what they want to hear. Oh, Joe. yeah. So this is a first issue of a new uh, story arc, eh? Yep, because we had a giant uh, a gap in the last two issues. And uh, this Todd, listen. 11 months isn't that big of a gap. I don't mind if they do it at the end of a storyline. That's And they, you know, hey. Whatever. Fair enough. You know your business. It's no Scarlet. 
<laughs> Close. <laughs> Let's see when issue eight comes out. Then we'll talk. Okay. So, Todd, did we have any art attack this week? Uh, we did. It was an Instagram, so it's hard to re, uh, it's hard to, uh, what do you call it, uh, retweet. What? But it, it, it Instagram. Is a, I don't understand the Instagrams. I guess it was a screen capture. It was a Jonah Hex and Tallulah Black, uh, by Dean Betty? I'm not sure how you say the name. Dean, yeah, B-E-A-T-T-I-E. So, sent from Wednesday Comics. Oh, thank you very much, guys. They uh, always tweeted us. They've always got a lot of good content over there on their Twitter and other social medias and so forth. Right. Yes. <laughs> what? No, I'm just so, I, I had to pull up the information for Moonshine, right? Yeah. And I'm just, like, glancing at the... Uh, the little solicitation text for it. Uh, just picking out some keywords. Uh, hop in a train headed south. Uh, hillbillies and hobos. Mafia killers. Uh, but Trouble has a habit of sticking to Lou, and instead of finding himself on Big Rock Candy Mountain... And I'm just going to stop reading there. What? It says that in the solicitation text for this book, Todd. Well, that was a big thing during the Prohibition era. The it Depression. certainly was. A lot of people, a lot of, a lot of hobos were looking for that. Oh, boy. Well, one of the things that hobos uh, can find easily if they want to is when they go over to longboxheroes.com, they can find all the past uh, episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. Everything you and I have ever done on the Internet exists over at Longbox Heroes, as does the link to our store. Uh, which has shirts and stickers with our logos on and something else that we're supposed to talk about when the mics go off. <laughs> that I forgot to before we started recording today. Uh, but if you don't need any of that stuff, Amazon banner at the top of the page, we get a little bit of a kickback. And uh, they call it an advertising fee. I call it something that makes Todd happy at the end of every month. Cha-ching! Uh, some of the notable purchases through the uh, Amazon click-through this past week uh, were... The first trade of the new Runaway series by Rainbow Rowell, who is the writer on that. I just finished that up recently. Really like the first arc. Glad to have it back. Uh, somebody also picked up the graphic novel, Is This Guy For Real? The Unbelievable Andy Kaufman by Box Brown. Uh, I haven't picked that up yet, but I really enjoyed Box Brown's previous work where he did a similar uh, graphic novel about the life and times of Andre the Giant, which is very interesting and a fun read. Uh, somebody also, who I think was the same person who picked up the audiobook of Prisoner of Azkaban last week, picked up the audiobook of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire this week. You're a wizard, Harry. Right. Uh, that's what it is. It's just a guy saying that over and over again. I would buy that. And, uh, someone also, Todd, purchased not one, not two, but three Star Wars action figures from Rogue One. Oh, that's a good movie. Uh, people with such names as Mosep Benid. Mosislak? No, I wish. <laughs> it would say, say Momar Sislak. Oh, boy. The one true Mo. <laughs> uh, Admiral Radis. Oh, uh, there's only one Admiral in the Star Wars universe. Well, again, Admiral Rad Radis is a uh, whatever. He's one of the Mon Calamari as well. 
But he mm-hmm. was like the blue fat one from Rogue One. No, you need Admiral Snack Bar. Right. And then Bodie Rook. Oh. Old Bodie. Right. And I will say this. While I do enjoy Star Wars these days, uh, I I don't know the character names of the new ones like I do the old ones. What? And the old ones are, noodles? And the old ones are starting to slip away as I get older. Oh. You have that Starsheimers. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, we're gonna skip mailbag this week only because it's a little, it's getting to be a little bit of a long show, and I have a feeling that the last two things that we're gonna discuss might take up a little bit of time. Uh, mm-hmm. and that is TV and movie talk, uh, discussing the most recent episode of Legends of Tomorrow and the, uh, film Black Panther. I say, Todd, we start with Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so the episode title, uh, is Here I Go Again. Not on their own. <laughs> not walking down the only road they've ever known. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a story about Zari. Uh, not a drifter. Even though she was born <laughs> to walk alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this episode, she's made up her mind. <laughs> I don't know how long I can do this for, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm not interrupting you. All right, all right. Uh, but no, so um, this episode... And they even acknowledge it in the episode. It's a Groundhog Day situation. Wherein mm-hmm. Zari is stuck in an hour-long time loop where the Wave Rider blows up and she's the only one who has the memory of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to figure out where the bomb is. Nobody believes her. And it's a Zari standalone episode. Now, Zari... Not one of my favorite characters, one of the newer characters, what have you. This, uh, and then, okay, so we'll get into a little bit more of what's going on with it as well. Um, but I loved this episode. Possibly could be my favorite episode of this season. It's a good episode. It's a great episode. Um, it's a show about time travel in the first place, and they play with the time travel tropes. They even acknowledge that they're playing with the time travel tropes, and then they do a twist with it, and then they do yet another twist with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this episode. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great Zari episode. Like you said, it. I was. I'm not a big Zari fan in this, but this made me grow to like her. Yes. Um. And it while making you grow to like Zari, it also introduced you to certain things about other characters that we we knew, but except for a few, but added to the characters too. It's like we got to see stuff about them we didn't know before. Right. It was you know a way mean? for Zari to learn more about her teammates, mm-hmm. but also informing us, the viewers, of new stuff that they, the creators of the show, wanted us to know about these characters as well. Right. And like I said, I just, I love the fact that it's, you know, a Groundhog Day episode, and immediately it's just like, like even though they're like with the, the, the swerve that they do, is like steal like, oh, a Groundhog Day. We're a time travel. It was only a matter of time till we got to this. <laughs> Like, and I'm like, great joke. And then the best visual for me was the was Ray and uh, Mick talking, and she comes in and she's dropping the cue cards, right? All uh, like Bob, the Bob Dylan video, and I'm like, 
that was fantastic. Like that had me laugh. It was the whole montage, the the relaxing montage, but she was still stressed. It was like, and and legitimately, at times when the when the episode needed to be touching, it was very touching too. It was like funny, intense, and touching. Like it it it, it covered like the roller coaster of emotions and was still really good and like moved the plot along. It was almost the perfect episode. Yes. So uh, I. Uh, this is the it. this is the ep- now and obviously I understand why they they couldn't but this is the episode that they should have came back from break with mm-hmm. but obviously because there's this stuff with Sarah uh, that she has like that same demon in her and there's like the plot point in there that you know uh, Constantine told Ray to kill her if she ever like wigs out again of course mm-hmm. so you can't have that plot point without the previous episode which I thought wasn't a strong episode. Um, the wig work in this episode, which is much better. Mm-hmm. And there's a, and Mick gets a great moment. He gets several great moments, even when he's not on screen, when he has like the room with all the booby traps. Yes. <sighs> and the fact that, and again, like, and everyone has like their little secrets and this is what, uh, Zari learns about everyone and this is how she bonds with everyone. And you know, whatever the secrets are like, um, Amaya and uh, Nate are trying to keep their romance a secret. Uh, Sarah has the crush on the girl from uh, the Time the Bureau timing. and all that sort of jazz. Plus, she's also trying to figure out her relationship with Zari. And it's not so much she doesn't like Zari. It's that she sees Zari doing what she wants to do. And she knows down that down that road leads madness for Sarah. Right. For trying to get her sister back. And it like it's really cool. Um, however, and again, I got no problem spoiling it because, you know, this is where we're, we're talking about it. I didn't give it a little bit of a warning, but if you're this far in, you're listening because you'd like to hear us talk about it. Uh, Heatwave Mick Rory is writing poorly and slowly on an old fashioned typewriter, <laughs> a space themed erotica. <laughs> Action erotica fantasy. <laughs> And he types the way I type. I, I, I'm sort of what I love about Mick. I have that with Mick. We both like we we both like fire, and we both type with, with two fingers. Um, but again, all in all, great episode. Of the show, like I said, probably my favorite episode this season. And then we get like a little stinger at the end of the episode where Rip goes wherever it is that he goes to recruit uh, Kid Flash Wally to assist him with whatever he's doing. AKA Top Knot. Right, Top Knot. And again, the, <laughs> the the actor who plays Wally, even though he's on another show, has his 45th new hairstyle <laughs> since his uh, creation. Well, his hair grows out fast. He's a speedster. I guess. That Wally. No excuses. Mm hmm. All right, so. Black Panther. Right. Now, I will say this. Black Panther is the first of a lot of the movies that I want to see that I'm doing my best to avoid as much as I can about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I go to my local theater. We have the really super cheap matinee. There's only the four. There's only they only do three trailers up front, um, and two two of the three trailers that they had up front I never saw before, uh, which was the Ant Man trailer and the mm-hmm. Han Solo trailer. Right. The Sunday was the first time that I saw either one of those trailers. That was the first time I saw 
the Ant-Man trailer, but it was like the millionth time I saw the Solo trailer. Right. So I'm doing my best to avoid everything and all that I can. I want to recapture that magic that I remember from the first Iron Man movie where I saw the trailer, the one that they put on the Super Bowl. I avoided everything, and I remember, you may not remember, I'm pointing to you, listener of the show and the rest of the world, that when Iron Man first came out, so many people were like, yeah, it was good, but I don't know, this, that, the other thing. It's because there were so many trailers, so many featurettes. Every website had a different, like, behind-the-scenes, whatever it was. By the time the movie came out, you saw so much of it in bits and pieces, I don't think it resonated the same way. And then, obviously, as the years went on, Iron Man kind of, you know, gets that credit for being the the spark of the flame of the Marvel Cinematic Movie Universe. But I remember those months when it first came out, everyone was like, eh, it was all right. That first Iron Man is a perfect movie. Yes. It's literally a perfect movie. Uh, it's got, you know what I mean? I, I did watch it within the last year, and I'm not going to, it's a little slow moving, just because I now have the memory of everything else that has come after it. But it still doesn't make it any less good. It's just a little slower moving than I would like it to be. Nope. Okay. We're not talking about Iron Man. We're talking about Black Panther. If you're a listener of the show, you know Black Panther. We've already seen him pop up here and there uh, in some of the other Marvel movies. He had a big part in Civil War where uh, the death of his father was a key plot point in -hmm. Civil War with the big explosion of the building. But this essentially is T'Challa's origin, the introduction of his world, Wakanda, its place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all of this. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the movie, Todd? I loved it. Um, This is more my speed. And I know we've disagreed on, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie and Thor Ragnarok, which I didn't hate. Um... But this is the first one that, that in a while that had more of the feel of Winter Soldier than it did Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that's what I love. Winter Soldier's, you know, one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. Um, and this had that. And I liked that this director, he, he weaved in his humor. But he knew when to do it. It wasn't during like the big intense scenes. It was like, you know, a, the, the brother and Chala and his sister or him and his girlfriend. Like it, it's, it, it's used properly for me in this. And that's what you needed. Cause I think as a political like movie as Black Panther the King, it could have really brought the movie down. But overall, I loved it. I love the opening that we, that we get a quick, you know, storytelling of the, the whole history of Wakanda in under a minute. If that's how long it is. I don't know. You know what I mean? Just perfect. And it's like, let's get into our movie. And I knew, I, you know, I'm not a big Black Panther guy. So, like, you know, it's not like I was like, oh, I'm, I'm steeped in all this mythology. So getting that just overview really quick, I'm like, everything you need to know, it's perfect. It's done. Let's go on. The side characters are great. T'Challa's sister is my favorite character in the movie. Just fantastic. And the first half of the movie is Black Panther is the Marvel Universe's James Bond. His sister is his Q. He has his Bond girls. I'm like, it's fantastic. He goes to like a country, busts up a, a casino. It's literally taken out of, out of Skyfall. That scene is, is just almost 
the way that the casino set up is, is the exact same. And then it turns into like how it all falls apart because of his father and his uncle and, and everything in, in the second half of the movie. I, I really enjoyed everything about it. And Joe, it had vibrinos, big rhinos with vibranium armor. What more do you need? Okay. So, uh, you mentioned about Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this movie. Uh, obviously you mentioned about how a lot of the other movies have been kind of going down the road more of the Guardians of the Galaxy thing because that was like the new hotness, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd said to someone over the weekend that Thor Ragnarok is the best Thor movie, but the third best Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That is true. Okay. And that's not a knock on either one of those films or franchises or whatever, because it's all part of the same shared universe. But I like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie a lot. I like the first Iron Man a lot. I like the first Avengers a lot. I like Winter Soldier a lot. I'm not putting anything in a particular order, but that's pretty close to my top four as you're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. Black Panther is right up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about the characters... Um, everything is introduced in a way that's not ham-fisted and is paid off and addressed um, and brought up. You mentioned uh, that Shuri is a good character and her, not so much as the comic relief, but more so the one, and again, I got no problem in saying this, but her more so being the one that kind of takes the piss out of everything. Mm-hmm. where, you know, you have this fantastical world that's kind of shielded off, and they have all this technology, and they have spaceships, and all this other, like, technological advances, but they still kind of do a lot of things the old way, because that's just the way that it's always been. They're steeped in their tradition. Right, and she's the one that kind of just speaks up and says, we should do things differently. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the right moment, most times it's not. As good as she was, uh, I think, um, n- is it Nicole, uh, Nic- I don't, no, uh, Akoi, the lead, uh, bodyguard. The who, Michonne? Is that who it is? The bald girl? Yes. That's Michonne. Oh, get out of town. From I didn't Walking even realize. Dead, yeah. You didn't know that? Well, Again, avoiding everything that I can about the thing, she does wear the wig in the one scene, so that was a nice tip of the hat to your predecessors in Legend of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. She was great in the movie. She was probably my favorite character. Except uh, Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger. I knew Michael B. Jordan was in the movie. I did not know who he was playing, and I did not know that he was going to be the main villain. I thought the main villain was going to be Claw, because I've avoided everything about the movie. Say it right. What? Claw, the murderous master of sound. Yes. But go ahead. So when he kills Claw, the murderous master of sound, I was like, oh my, I'm like, he's the villain now. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. So it was like nice twists and turns for me, because I didn't have things spoiled of who was playing what in the movie. Um... Everything, every character had an arc. Like, that was where your Guardians of the Galaxy 2 stuff comes in. 
where Guardians of the Galaxy 2, like, everyone has their own little story that they do that gets a beginning, middle, and end that all plays into the greater overarching story. That's that's the Guardians of the Galaxy part of this. The rest of it is Winter Soldier, James Bondy, everything else. And then you've got, like, really great action sequences. Mm-hmm. The only thing that prevents this movie from going into that next level is a little bit of some dodgy special effects. Okay. I didn't believe that those rhinos were even near close to being real. The vibrinos? The vibrinos. (laughs) But you you know what took... The only knock I have on the movie is legitimately... uh, I wish that they didn't just give... T'Challa a suit that could just take bullets all day and punches because mm-hmm. it makes him less of like it's like oh like it'll take the kinetic energy and then it, it turns it into you know you can you can blow it out and do a wave or an energy blast or whatever you want to call that thing and it's like where he's to me like the Batman of the Marvel Universe but he has his own country where it's like oh like you know I'm still human but you know, I I just can't take a face full of bullets, uh-huh. and in in that it made him like, oh, I don't have to be sneaky or or, or uh, athletic or dexterous. It's just like, oh, I could just walk out into this battle and just take everything that they got, and I just throw it back at you. And that was my only problem. I think it just makes Black Panther a little less than like his capabilities. You know what I mean? If I get, that makes yeah. any sense. Uh, but I would say closest to Winter Soldier, uh, at least in how good it is as a standalone movie. Like, you don't need to know all the other stuff of all the other Marvel movies. This is the, you know, this feels like the first one in a while that kind of stands on its own two feet. Right. Almost kind of like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Right. In a funny way. I mean, they, they work the ore, the, the stone in and everything. But it's pretty much like, I like that occasionally, where it's like, you don't need to be bogged down in all old information. It's right. like, uh, it's fresh. Yes, it felt the most fresh of any, you know, since Guardians of the Galaxy, which was, what, four years ago? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but again, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was, I loved it. It held my attention. I want to see it again. Um, it was just a really cool movie. And like and I said, I, outside of some of the effects on the Rhino, you know, nearly a perfect Marvel comic book movie. Vibrino. But, uh, Vibrino. The, the only thing I want to say is I, I have to do my joke. Are mm-hmm. you ready? Um, I understand that it was Black Panther and they, they had Kendrick Lamar do the soundtrack. But I really would have liked to heard uh, Back in Black Panther by ACDC, and also, if not, you could have worked in a Gwen Stefani song, and that song would have been T'Challa Batgirl. Horrible. Horrible? Not Holla Batgirl? T'Challa Batgirl? Come on, that's a great joke. But otherwise, all around, I loved it. Um, And the moment at the UN when uh, T'Challa's speaking, that's the moment since Disney kind of sort of has the rights, maybe, uh, that's when Doom stands up and slaps the, the taste out of his mouth. But other than that, perfect move. Um, yeah, so I think that's really... I, again, it's... Uh, to, oh, so I do want to mention this. Somebody uh, else pointed this out to me, that in its four days of release, 
Mm-hmm. Black Panther has made as much money at the box office worldwide as Justice League did in its entire run. What? That's what someone said to me. That's probably not real. Let me look that up. I. That's probably not real. Let me look it up. Can I say it again? That's probably not real. Okay. I'm going to the film site box office mojo. Okay. According to box office... Now, okay, so it was not worldwide. It was just um, domestic. But even still, Justice League's domestic gross, as of today, uh, Justice League came out November 17th, so it was only three months ago, is $228 million. Domestic. Black Panther's domestic growth five days in is $242 million. Mm, okay. Domestic. Hasn't beat Justice League Worldwide yet. But in f- in five days, it beat three months of Justice League in the United States. Well, I don't know if it's going to beat the Worldwide then, because it's got... It's got a whole weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to go, Joe. Right, that's true. No, I'm joking. Um, Buzz, but, and, let me see if I could find if they have what its opening weekend was. But also, uh, and this is going to have some boots because I don't know what the next couple of weeks of the big movies are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're only in February still. We haven't hit, like, like what's going to challenge it. You know, there's no Star Wars movie till Memorial Day. You right. Know? Well, like, just, and again, just looking at things, um, you know, and again, we're only talking about domestic again, not, world, you know, worldwide, international, whatever. Um, obviously, with the numbers that we're discussing... The uh, Black Panthers opening weekend was two hundred two million, and Justice League's opening weekend was ninety four million. Hmm. Oh boy. But let me see if there's anything else like big coming out. Death Wish. No, that's not big. The Black Widow movie called Red Sparrow. A Wrinkle in Time. No. Tomb Raider. Where, uh, when's that? That's the 16th of March? Mm-hmm. That's like a month away. Uh, Pacific uh, Rim. Pacific Rim might be the first one, and I don't even think that's a... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The next movie I would say that might is Ready Player One. And that's like uh, that's like five mm-hmm. weeks away. Right. That's I think that's a Spielberg movie. You know, people are, are waiting on that. You know what I mean? Right. I'm kind of out of touch on that one. My wife is actually excited about that one. Right. She, I didn't she know... read the book. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have a feeling that this is going to have, this is going to be bigger than, like, than everything because it's going to have a month or two to... To, to just 
to dominate, you know, which is what you don't get a lot in film anymore because there's just no breathing room, you know, and I look, there's nothing here that's wowing me for a while. So, mm-hmm. well, there you go, man. All right. All right. So, uh, thanks everyone for listening here. Episode 300, uh, 386 of long box heroes for Todd. This is Joe and we'll, uh, See y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Woo!